Well, good morning and welcome to Kennesaw Family Life Church. And we're excited that you're here today. And we're in this series in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you've never been with us before, we try to preach through books of the Bible. We really want to get all of God's Word. We want to take it in context. That's really important. It's really important that we look at Scripture in context so we can understand why it was written and then learn more of how it applies to us today. And we're in the book of Corinthians, which Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He, it's a church that he started. If you know about Paul in, in the Bible, if you don't, I'll just give you a little bit. Paul was somebody that, that came to Christ. He Actually, he was persecuting the church. He was a Jew or a Pharisee, if you've ever heard that term, which was a very legalistic Jew. He was very zealous. And actually, when, when Christ died and rose again, he was a, in opposition, man. He thought these, the, these guys were just from Satan. That's what he thought. He tried to eliminate the church until he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And you can read about it in the book of Acts there in the New Testament. You can hear his story. But Paul went on to become an apostle, on to become somebody that would plant churches, start churches, spread the gospel specifically to Gentiles or people that were not Jews, probably like you and me. I would be considered a Gentile. So he spread the gospel to the Gentiles, and then this church that he started in Corinth, and then he handed the church off to a guy by the name of Apollos, and he went on to start other churches. He found out there were some issues going on, so he wrote 1 Corinthians to address some of the issues in the church and to establish doctrine, the things that we needed to know as followers of Christ. Really, God used Paul to write most of the New Testament. Amazing how God worked that out. They didn't have the Bible then. They just were using what they knew, and Paul was giving them that doctrine. So he's addressing an issue. Over the past couple weeks, last week I actually titled the message like, uh, grow up or something like that, or maturing. I don't remember what I titled it, but uh, it was all about, basically Paul said, man, quit being babies, grow up a little bit. Stop being on the milk of scripture and grow up to be an adult, a mature Christian. And that's what was happening. They were fighting and arguing over things that were not important. They were acting like immature people. And Paul told us last week that that's because they still had elements of the sinful nature in their life. Remember, when you get into fights and arguments, you're usually fighting over what you want. Because you want it a certain way, especially when it comes to things in the church. So it's really about changing our heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to mold us into the image of Christ. So Paul addressed and said, look, you guys need to grow up. That's the first part of 1 Corinthians 3. We did 1 through 4 last week. Now we're going to do the next four verses. We're going to do 5 through 9. We're doing really small chunks because I think there's some things we can learn here. Last week, we talked about one of the ways we do that is to get the rocks and the weeds out of the garden of our life. So basically, rocks and weeds are our sinful nature, those things that distract us, all the stuff from around us that pull us away from growing to be like Jesus. So Paul is encouraging us to do that. So over the next few verses, Paul is moving us and calling us to move from being immature believers to mature believers. And now he's going to address the actual issue. Why did he write this letter or the first part of this letter? What was he addressing? What were they arguing about? And I'm going to use a story or an illustration today that will kind of help to put 
all of this into perspective because they were arguing over who was better, uh, who, who was the person they should be following. Now, today's Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you guys probably don't care. Some of you do. Uh, maybe by the time you're watching this, if you're not watching it with us in the service live, maybe you're catching it on YouTube later. It won't matter. You'll know who won. But it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I wanted to talk a little bit about being on a team in the NFL. What does it take to get a team to an away game or to the Super Bowl game as far as personnel goes? And so I looked that up and I thought this would be kind of interesting because we're talking about working together. There are approximately, now this is approximately 140 people who travel and only about 50 of them are players. Think about that for a second. About approximately 140 people travel with an NFL football team to an away game and only 50 of them are players. That's everyone from the people that are responsible for the equipment to medicine to coaches, you name it. Anybody that supports the players to play that game travels with them. That's a lot of people. Now, they have to charter a jet. They have to get nearly 200 hotel rooms and set up menu options and food. All of this has to be done in advance. Now, I'm not just making this up. I took it from the Huffington Post. They had an article called What It Takes to Get the Giants to an Away Game. This was done a couple years ago. But think about that. Approximately 140 people, all the logistics, everything just to get a team to a game. Now, it's Super Bowl Sunday. The teams are traveling. They're getting there. Can you imagine all the logistic? Now, here's the deal. Every person, all of those 140, we're just going to say 140 flat, every single one of them have a role to play in that game. They may not be the player on the field, but they have a role to play. It's the same thing in the church. I'm not talking about just the pastor. I'm talking about every believer that's a part of the church has a role to play in the mission that God has given us. No one is insignificant. So we're all on the same team. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And we are actually going to dig into the scripture today. I wanted to give you that illustration because you're going to kind of see how it fits. We're all on the same team. As believers, as followers of Christ, we're all on the same team, on the same side, given the same mission. And the church in, in Corinth we're fighting over things that didn't make sense. Listen to this. Look at verse, verses 5 through 9 of 1 Corinthians. And, and let's read this together. It says, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed in the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted seeds in your hearts and Apollos watered them. But it is God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering? What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Now think about this. The argument that was happening, and if you were with us last week, some were saying, I follow Paul. Some were saying, I follow Apollos, some were saying, I follow Jesus. There was just this, this arguing that was going on about who they followed. And it was creating divisions in the church. And, you know, when Paul planted the church, and Paul had a particular style, he had a particular personality, he drew a particular group of people together. When he moved on 
and handed the church to Apollos, I'm sure Apollos' teaching style was different. The way he led was different. The way he interacted with people were different. And I'm sure that some people that followed Paul didn't gel as well. And then some of the people that came after that, that were following Apollos, that came because Apollos was there and that he reached out to, were kind of like, well, we, we like this Apollos guy, not necessarily Paul. And they were arguing over who they liked or who was better. It's kind of like sitting on a playground and hearing two kids go, well, my dad's better than your dad. Think about it. You've ever seen those arguments, those fights? But this is happening within the church. And the church has a mission, but the church can't fulfill that mission if we're arguing over insignificant things. Paul tells them, grow up and explains to them, we're all in the same team. We all have a role to play. And it doesn't matter which role that is because each role is important. Now think back to our football illustration, 140 people. Well, if only 50 of them are players, and then you can break that down even further, only about half of those 50 players actually play in a game. Maybe a little more than half, but you have offense, you have defense, you have special teams, there's crossover. It's crazy how many players there are. But approximately 90 of them never step on the field to play. They're there for support. But every role is important. Because if that one person doesn't do their job, when that is needed, it throws off the rhythm of the team. The players don't have what they need, or the coach doesn't have what he needs, and everything gets out of rhythm. Every person has a place. Did you notice something there? There are more people working behind the scenes than there ever are on the field. That's the way it is in church, too. That's the way it, that's how life usually works. There are usually more people behind the scenes on something than there are people up front. Uh, you know, my boys love movies. They study it. They study how they're made. If you ever watch the credits of a movie, think about how many thousands of people go into making a movie. Thousands of people that go into making a movie and what, there might be a hundred people in the cast at most. And usually it's centered around about a half a dozen characters, if you really get down to it, in most movies. Everybody else is kind of side characters. So when you look at that, there's always more happening behind the scenes that, that's not really up front or getting the credit for what's happening. I love racing. Same thing. Man, if you ever watch NASCAR, one of the beauties of NASCAR is as talented and as amazing as those drivers are, there is a whole team that works to make that happen. Generally, the driver gets the credit, but there's a whole team that makes that happen. It really is a team sport when you go into that. There is not, I don't care what sport you play, if you play it at a high level and a professional level, you never do it by yourself. There's always trainers and coaches that get you along. I don't care if it's track and field and you're performing in an individual event. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's up to you but there are layers to that to get you to that point. Everybody has a role to play. This is how life works. The problem is in our churches, we've made it so that we hire pastors and leaders and we expect them to do all the work of the ministry that God created for the entire church to do the work of the ministry. 
to fulfill the mission of God. The entire church, every person that calls themselves a Christian, has a role to play in the gospel. Every person. Every person. Even a person that can't physically get out can pray and interact. And now with technology can probably send messages and encourage people without ever leaving their home. Every person has a role to play. Every person has an important part. Look at Romans chapter 12. Paul addresses this. Again, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Addresses this in his book to the Romans. And Romans has so much theology. There's, it's a huge book. But in Romans chapter 12, he deals with how we function together. And he uses the illustration of a body, that we are Christ's body. But look at Romans 12, 4 through 8. It says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we are all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given each of us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as you've been given. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do you see this? There is many more than that. Those aren't the, it's not just a package. What he's saying is, whatever God has gifted you with, those talents, those abilities that he's put into your life, and maybe it's just from the, the things that you've learned and developed throughout your lifetime, do them well. Do them for the Lord. Use them for the gospel. The point is, we all have a role to play. We all have a part on this team. Whether you think it's significant or not, remember, teachers, pastors, leaders, Scripture says we're going to be judged more harshly. But our job is to equip you to do the gospel, not for us to do it. If you are coming to a church and expecting a pastor to do everything, because they're the ones that are getting paid to do it, which a lot of pastors aren't really getting paid to do it, then you're missing the point of the gospel. Church is not for you to come and sit and hear a good message and be entertained. Church is a place to come where we celebrate and worship together as the body of Christ and then hear a message from God on how we can either grow closer to Him, maybe point out some areas in our life that we need to work on, but it's always to help us to grow to be more like Christ so that we can do the work or the mission. Which leads us to the second thing. We all have the same mission. And I'm going to say this, a unified church, and I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church, all Christians, cross-denominations, if they are Bible-believing, the full gospel of Jesus, we're all on the same mission. We're all on the same team. We may have different nuances or do things a little bit differently, but we're all on the same team trying to accomplish the same goal. If the church is unified, we will change culture. We will change our community. We will actually be what Christ envisioned for the church. The problem is we fight against each other and we argue and, and it diminishes the effect and the power that we have 
really diminishes our witness in the community. So we all have the same mission. Remember, look at verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3. It says, The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. For an NFL team, it's pretty straightforward, right? Everybody's working to one goal, to win. It's a competition. It's a sporting event. You want to win. That's the goal. Everyone who travels on that team has the same goal. And when the team wins, everybody on that team wins. The goal for Christians in the church is pretty straightforward as well. Look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what Jesus told us to do. This is the commands that he gave us. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, you and I are disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, before he died, mandated us as believers, as followers of him, to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That's our mission. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same mission. That's why every church exists, to go and make disciples. Now, we have churches because believers need to come together and worship together and learn together, and we do it in smaller groups. That's what churches are. But the church as a whole, the body of Christ, have the same mission. We're all working to the same end. Now, sometimes... That means that you're the one that's planting seeds in people's lives. Sometimes that means that you're the one watering seeds. All of those things are a part of it. We live out that mission. You might be praying for somebody that's for them to come to Christ. It might be somebody else that comes along and actually plants that seed in their heart. Or maybe you planted that seed or it actually waters it and draws them in. I'm fully convinced that when we stand before Jesus one day, we're going to find out that there were a lot of people that came to Christ because, not because we told them the gospel and shared with them the Romans road or any of that, but because of the way we lived our lives and the way we interacted with them, they came to Christ at some point and we had a part to play in that. I don't think any one person impacts somebody that fully. I think it's a team effort. I think we all have parts to play in that. Look, one of the ways that we live out our mission is understanding the commandment that Jesus gave us. This is it. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It's our, it's our mission verse for the church. I think for people. It says this in verse 37 of Matthew 22. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second and equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If we're living out these commandments, we are naturally planting seeds in the lives of people. We're naturally watering seeds that others have planted. It's, it's a team effort because if I am honoring God with my life, if I am loving Him and I am letting it seep, seep through every part of my life, then people around me 
are going to see that conversations are going to happen. They're going to see how I interact in, you know, there's going to be times of trouble. They're going to see how I interact in those things. Those are going to plant seeds. Sometimes there's been seeds that have been planted and they're watching and the interactions or the conversations will be watering those seeds. Remember, we gave the illustration of the, the sower last week and how the gospel goes out and the seeds are scattered and there's the hard soil that just gets plucked away and the rocky and the thorny and the good soil. And, and all of those things, those seeds and being watered and planted. And Paul said, look, I planted, Apollos watered, but who made it grow? The Holy Spirit. That's who role it is to make it grow. It's not us. We don't save anyone. We just have a part to play in people coming to know Jesus. Remember, over the last couple of years, we've been on a journey really talking about how we as believers should be disciple makers, and we're discipling people by the way we live our lives. And we backed it up a little bit and talked about how we're discipling people long before they come to Christ because they're watching the way we live. They're seeing how we interact. They're seeing how our life is transformed. And I, I've had interactions with some of you about, well, you know, I, man, I'm messed up. I don't even know 100% what I believe, and I'm on this journey. How can I be impacting or discipling anybody? Well, I'm going to tell you, people are watching your journey. They're seeing how you're going to respond. They're going to see what happens when you stumble, when you fall, and how you get back up. They're watching your journey. You're discipling them while you're being discipled yourself. That's part of the journey. It's how this works. Understanding that, understanding that you have a role to play in drawing people to Christ, living intentionally will help you do this. We don't have to force the issue. We don't have to force people to get saved. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to take the seeds that have been planted and watered and make them grow. It's not our job. Stop putting the pressure on ourselves to fix everyone and just live our lives in a way that shows them what it means to follow Christ. We don't do it perfectly, and that's the beauty of it. Because if we were perfect at it, they would get discouraged because they couldn't attain that. We can't attain it. But in our brokenness and in our stumbling and falling, as we get closer to God, as He, is, as he develops in us, and those rocks and roots get pulled out, and as we grow closer to Him, it's going to naturally draw other people to Him as well. But remember in Romans 12, when we looked back just a few minutes ago, Paul told us to use the gifts that we have well, and he, used, he illustrated like, if you prophesy, prophesy well, if it's leadership, use it well. All of those gifts that He's given us to use them well, that's what we need to do. And it all plays a part in the mission. You might think, well, my gifts are insignificant to somebody else's gifts. I know that some people look at people up on a stage, whether it's like what I'm doing as a pastor communicating or musicians or whatever, and we put them up on pedestals, when really we're just using the gifts that God's given us and developed in us to do the part that we need to play. I'm going to tell you, those of you sitting out in the seats have much greater impact into the community and changing people's lives than I ever will. You're the one that's out there planting seeds. You're the one that's out there showing people what it means to live for Christ, 
my words might have a part to play in it. It might be the watering that allows the Holy Spirit to make it grow at that moment, but we're all on the same team. We're all doing that, which leads to the final thing today. Play your part. Play your part. Do what God's given you to do and do it well. Do it for His glory. This is the place we get hung up. Because now we put a pressure on. I say play your part. Now we're like, oh, well, what is my part? I don't know what I do. I don't know what my gifts gifts are. And then we have gift tests and it gets confusing. And then we get a gift test and it says, man, you are an amazing encourager. So now you think that the only thing you can do is encourage. Look, put all that stuff aside. Some of those things are great. They do show us some stuff, but they need to be done in the right perspective. If you live your life for Christ, remember that greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you live that out in your life every day, these things will happen. Remember, verse 6 says, I planted seeds in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God that made them grow. So what does it look like to play our part? What does it look like? Here's what we're going to do. So to live out playing our part, planting and watering. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that makes it grow. So we're all a part of that, helping the soil, all that stuff, getting it ready. The first thing that we can do is grow in our relationship with God. That's our number one priority. That's the first of those commandments. Actually, the first part of the Ten Commandments, all about loving and honoring God. So grow in your relationship with God. We do that by studying His Word, asking questions, learning. You need to pick up the Bible and read it more than just Sundays. Understand it. Dig into it. It may even be things that I say on a Sunday that you go, well, I don't, I don't see it that way. We can have conversations about it. I might be able to explain how I got there. Or I might say, you know what? I've been teaching that wrong. I didn't see it from that perspective. I need to rethink this. That's a part of that learning and growing process. Study God's Word. Prayer. Man, prayer is when we communicate with God. We we talk to Him. We, We confess things to Him. We listen to Him. We allow Him to speak to us. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our spirit. Spend time in prayer. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. And that means just being an attitude of prayer throughout the day. That we're praying for the people around us. That we're listening to the Spirit of God. That we're mindful of Him throughout the day. That's the loving the Lord your God with all your heart. And then we're rooting out those rocks and weeds in our lives. Because we're always constantly tending to the soil of our hearts. Getting it ready. Basically, doing these disciplines will help us to grow. We've got to be growing so that we can help other people to grow. The second thing is pray that God will give you opportunities. This means being intentional about who you're praying for and how you're praying for those around you. Praying that the Spirit will help them to grow. That the Spirit will give you opportunities to plant seeds. That He'll give you opportunities to water that we be mindful of those things. See, if we're praying and living for God, the next step is natural. We start praying for people with intentionality. Not just praying, Jesus bless them, but praying, God, 
How can I speak life into them? Lord, tear down the barriers in their life that's keeping them from knowing you. Lord, bring healing into their life. Father, use me to impact my coworkers. Use me to be an example to my neighbors, to my family. That's being intentional. And then the third thing is to put your faith into action. It's one thing to pray for the opportunities. It's another to live it out every day and actually take action. Be there and be available. If you're going to be available to God, then actually when He gives you the opportunity, take those opportunities. It might be an open door to invite somebody to your house for dinner so that you can get to know them a little bit better, get to hear their questions or hear their story. It doesn't mean that you have to share the gospel with them at that moment. God usually opens up the door with them asking questions about your story and your faith. See, if we take the time to listen to people's stories, they usually ask us about ours. And that's where we get to tell them what God's done in our lives. That's how this works. Be intentional about how you live your life every day. Allow God to use you. Do you know that your job, your home, wherever you go is a part of your worship? Every aspect of your life is a part of worship to God. Remember, we're on a mission, and our mission isn't to save people, it's to make disciples. It's to draw people towards Christ. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to do His job in their lives. And if we live every day intentionally honoring God, spending time with Him, letting, us, letting Him change us from the inside out, and then we intentionally live that out in our lives every day, lives will be changed. I want to leave you with one final verse from Paul. And it comes out of Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. It says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome passage. Be intentional about how you live your life. Our faith, our relationship with God is not just something we do, it's who we are. When we allow our faith to incorporate every part of our lives and our relationship with God to be woven through every part of our lives, it will change everything. And we will be living on mission and we won't have to figure it all out. We just have to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us and allow Him to do the work through us. And you know what? We're going to see heaven filled with friends, neighbors, and family members that we had a part of their journey. We're journeying together, and we want to bring as many people on this journey with us as we can. So be intentional. Grow in that relationship. Let's not get back to that immaturity of fighting, this person's better than this person, this church is better than this church. That stuff doesn't matter. It's about our relationship with God and growing in Him. Yeah, if you like the way somebody preaches, man, listen to them. If you have certain preferences and things, those are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember that we're all on the same team. We all have the same mission. Let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you. I thank you that you love and care for us in our imperfection and our brokenness. Lord, we ask right now that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us more like you. And then, Lord, give us opportunities to share that love, to be that example to those around us. Lord, we want to see people's lives changed. We want to plant seeds. We want to water seeds. We want to see you make those things grow in their lives. And Lord, we want to see heaven filled with people around us. And Lord, I pray that you would put a passion in us to grow in our relationship with you and for the lost. Help us to be disciple makers. Lord, we never want to take that for granted. We want to play our part. We want to do our role. We want to be there. And Lord, I thank you for that. I, I thank you for what you're doing in us. And I thank you for what you're going to do through us in this community. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, we will have the chat open for another 15 minutes. And if you need prayer, if you just need to talk through some things, please click that prayer button. We will be here to pray with you. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great week.